I've heard it. You've heard it. It's time for a new beginning. Time to start a fresh page or paint a new picture with our life. Sounds great, in theory, but it can seem impossible. Life is messy. The lines have gotten blurred. Maybe we just don't know where to start. We look at the canvas of our lives and see mistake after mistake after mistake. It's overwhelming. When I look at my life with these messy lines and scribbles, it makes me think, is this as good as it gets? There's no eraser that can make this life make sense. But what if? What if there was someone that could make sense of our mess? They could take all our scribbles, all our mistakes, all our missed opportunities, and make them into a masterpiece. And then I remember, there is Jesus. He gives us a new life. Every day is new. Every day is a blank canvas full of possibility and promise. He takes our canvases, our lives that have been filled up with shortcomings, secrets, tragedies, and embarrassments, and he helps them make sense. When I look at the canvas of my life and I see nothing but disorder and chaos, I have to remember this. God is not a God of disorder. He's a God of peace. And you know what? He wants to take my hand and bring peace to the canvas of my life. So as we seek to make our mark, let us give God all our scribbles, all our mistakes, all our hurts, and trust that He will turn our messy lives into a masterpiece. His masterpiece. While the sun was coming in the window and he slowly wakes up, he was trying to, you know, it was kind of that in between, I'm dreaming it or I'm awake, trying to kind of come out of that. When he woke up, he realized, wait, that was a dream. See, he had been dreaming about walking. He had been dreaming about running. He had been dreaming about being the guy that just had a regular life, a job, a family. And suddenly reality hit when he realized that that was all a dream. See, for 38 years, 38 years, he had been an invalid. 38 years. And all he dreamed of, day in, day out, night, every night, is just being like everybody else. 38 years. Let's look at the scripture in John Starting in chapter 5, verse 1, it says this. After this, there was a feast of the Jews, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Now there in Jerusalem, by the Sheep Gate, a pool, which is called in Hebrew, Bethesda, having five porches. In these lay a great multitude of sick people, blind, lame, paralyzed, waiting for the move of the water. For an angel went down at a certain time into the pool and stirred up the water, Then whoever stepped in first after the stirring of the water was made well of whatever disease he had. Now a certain man, 
was there who had an infirmity 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there and knew he had already been in that condition a long time, he said to him, do you want to be made well? And the sick man answered, sir, I have no one to put me into the pool when the water is stirred up. But while I am coming, another steps down before me. Jesus said to him, rise, take up your bed and walk. And immediately the man was made well took up his bed, walked, and that day was the Sabbath. Now I want you to try and imagine in your mind the pool. The pool where everyone that has a, an infirmity, some kind of thing that is, is ruining their life pretty much, they come and lay by that pool waiting to see. You know, the, I was in the Holy Land um, several years ago. And I want to tell you, if you've never visited that, it is not flat like Illinois. It is not flat. It is, you are constantly going up and downstairs. You are constantly going up terrain and coming down terrain. And you know, uh, as, I, as I went and visited these certain landmarks and, and historical things that we were seeing, things that Je- where Jesus was, things that had happened in the Bible... And I am thinking, oh my gosh, this is so hard for people that have any kind of disability to get around just because it is not handicap accessible at all. And I thought, if it's this way now, what was it back then? How hard was it for him to get around? My guess is that he just slowly would try and get himself together and then he'd have to have somebody carry him probably, or, or, or a wagon or something, take him there every day, every day. And I'm sure that he would look at the people coming through the gate. He would lay by that pool looking at the people, people who could walk, people who had a life, people who could do anything they wanted to do. And I'm guessing that at times he said, if only... If it could only be me. Do you ever feel like that? We all get that way sometimes. If only. If only I had more money. If only we had a bigger house or a better job. Or if only our family was like their family. Or maybe you might say this. I would be happy if only this would happen. I would be happy. Do you know, sometimes uh, people say that about money. They'll say, if only I had more money, I would be happy. And how many of you know that sometimes God gives a better job and you have more money and then about a year down the road, you're like, I would be happy if only I had more money, right? You know, uh, several years ago, there was um, a program on that actually followed lottery winners You know, people that have won, like, the big-time lottery, like millions, like multiple millions. And it was so interesting to me that it was... Now, I know that they probably picked worst-case scenario, but many of the people that they followed had lost all their money. How do you lose millions and millions of dollars? Like, they they didn't have any money left. And, and it was interesting because I realized, because they were just saying, we just need more money. And I thought, 
They think the money is going to make them happy. And then when they got the money, they weren't happy. So they just kept spending the money to look for happiness. And that wasn't going to make them happy, right? But there are times when we feel happy. Things are going kind of good. But suddenly life intrudes on our hopes and our dreams. You know, you, you, um, you leave. It's a regular day. And you're on your way to work. And an accident happens and changes everything, or you've just received a call from the doctor's office and it's not good news, and suddenly everything changes. Maybe divorce happens. Um, instead of death, do you part, it's we're just going to part our ways. Maybe it's the darkness of addiction or pain, pain that rules your life. It could be pain in your body, or maybe it's pain Maybe it's just pain of your heart just because of all that has gone on. Now, I'm not sure if this man was uh, born paralyzed or if something happened to him when he was younger, but life for him had happened. And it, I'm sure, came between what he hoped his dreams would be. You know, when, when life intrudes on us, it can sometimes paralyze us. Sometimes to, this, to the point that we get stuck. We're totally lost because this isn't how life is supposed to be. I mean, after all, as you look around, you, all you see today is happy families and yours has fallen apart. Or maybe as you came in here today, you thought, everybody, it looks healthy except me. And maybe as you came down that hallway, it was a hard go for you. And all you see are healthy people around you. Or maybe it's disappointment. Disappointment has paralyzed you. Maybe disappointment in other people. Maybe disappointment in circumstances. Or maybe it was disappointment because of the consequences of choices that you've made some time ago. And you have had to live with those. And how many of you know that even when you've received Jesus as your Lord and Savior, there's still consequences from the sin that was before, right? And some of it you have to deal with. And the crazy thing is that we all want to get well. No one likes being paralyzed. Who would want that kind of life? But sometimes the risk and the fear and the uncertainty makes it so we don't even want to try it seems safer and easier and more convenient to stay where we're at, just waiting for the water to be stirred, wishing somebody would help us get where, where we could get into that water. Maybe just resigning yourself to a life of paralysis. And while that can be devastating, strangely enough, sometimes that seems easier than daring to take the first step. But I want to tell you today, I'm so glad the man, the invalid, took the step to do what Jesus said. So today, I've got a couple steps that I want you to take. The first one in your notes is, don't allow your inadequacy to define you. Don't let it define you. You know, we must choose to stop seeing ourselves as victims of our circumstances. Instead, start seeing our circumstances as subject to the authority and healing power of Jesus Christ. You know, I think it's so interesting. 
we don't know the name of the man. I mean, there is a there is a big chunk of the scripture that is written about the man, and we still don't know his ma- his name. And it's interesting because back in Bible times, a name was like very very important. When you went to name your kids, you didn't just pick the cutest name; you picked something that was going to mean something. Yet all we know about him is invalid. That's all we know. He was defined by his infirmity. He was defined by what had taken over his life. Well, I've got to tell you, my granddaughter Ella is nine now, and um, her and her mom a, a couple weeks ago were were organizing her room, and the were this summer we're trying to get everybody organized so when you start school we have places for things to go. So they were up in her room like most of the day and and we ate dinner and we're cleaning up dinner and she comes in and she said, Mom, let's go up and organize some more. Because Ella, believe it or not, loves to organize. Like if you just say organize to that girl, she's like, okay. And she was so excited and her mom said, oh my gosh. She is just like my husband, my husband uh, BG, her poppy, was a, he had to keep everything. He just, you know, you never know when you're going to use those cassette tapes. <laughs> so um, she likes to keep everything. So Amy's like, oh my gosh, this has been so long. So she wasn't near as excited as Ella. But the next day, the next day, her mom came up with the label maker. And was she ever excited about the label maker? Because then we were going to put labels on all the boxes and all the drawers about where things were going to actually go. And she was very excited about this label maker. Well, labels can be good, but labels can be not so good. You know, sometimes labels on us are not on the outside where you can see them, but they're on the inside. See, years ago, maybe, somebody may have said to you, you're never going to amount to anything. Or somebody may have said to you, you're not smart enough to do that. Or somebody may have said, you're, you're always going to live at this level. You, you're never going to make anything of yourself. And see, the label that they put on you is a label that is actually up here. And it's, it's like a tape recording that is going 24-7. It's always there. It's always there. And it doesn't matter if somebody comes up to you and says, oh, you look so nice today. Yet maybe years ago somebody told you you're just ugly. That still plays in your brain, in your brain doesn't it? Because labels aren't so easy for us to get rid of, but what we need to realize is what someone has said about you, or an a, even a label that maybe you have placed upon yourself because you don't think enough of yourself, isn't the label that God wants you to have. So look at number two. Let go of the labels. We have to let go of the labels. Now, there are labels that are also like, like this kind. This is a name tag label. Now, if you left one, uh, one of your children in the children's department, you know that they had to get a label. And they, you take part of it so that you can match it up after the service. 
But they have one that's always on the back. They put them back here, and it says their name, and it says um, what class they should be in so that we always know where they should be. And uh, I don't know if this has ever happened to you, but if you have had a child in that department, every once in a while it gets thrown in the washer machine and the label is still on. It has anybody, oh, see, some people have had that experience. Yes, you have. Well, in my house, many of you know that I um, actually, since my husband passed away, I, I live, um, my daughter and son-in-law and three grandkids and I all got a house together. And so I'm, I am the laundry lady. That is one of my jobs. I am the laundry lady. So the laundry lady did not know there was a label on. And I tell you, I have always caught the labels after the washing machine, but this time I did not. It was not until the dryer was done and I pull it out and I go to fold it and her shirt is, is clasped together in the back. And um, I, I told Amy, I said, I don't even know because usually the, the, the glue part, you know, you're supposed to kind of scrape off. And I said, it is so hard. I can't scrape anything off of it. And I said, I know that I think I've used peanut butter before. I've tried that. And I said, I just don't know what to do. I said, I'll just try some things. And she said, well, we'll have to throw it away if, if you can't get it off. So just try whatever. And she said, why don't you try Goo Gone? I hadn't thought about Goo Gone. Although I remember at one point thinking, I wonder if there would be a, a you know, some kind of residue from putting that on there. And I thought, well, the shirt is... You know, I'm going to have to throw it away if it doesn't work anyway. And I'll tell you this, for you people that are, have kids that have tags on the back of them, Goo Gone is your answer because I sprayed that thing on. It just came right off. I threw it in the washing machine. Voila, she wore it next week. So <laughs> some of our labels aren't quite that easy to get rid of. The man that had the infirmity for 38 years was identified by it. The label he wore, invalid. Everybody in Jerusalem knew him as a guy who laid there all day waiting for a miracle. And I think the discussion that Jesus had with him is so interesting because the first thing Jesus says to him is, do you want to get well? What kind of question is that? Do you want to get well? He's, he's, he's been laying there for 38 years. Do you want to get well? And I'm sure he's thinking on the inside, doesn't he see who I am? Yet, yet even more interesting is how he answered it. The man doesn't really answer the question. Instead, he starts to tell Jesus why he hasn't been healed. He explains that life is rough. The angel stirs the water, but somebody always gets in there first. And his answer shows us a little bit about his heart condition, because he pretty much isn't saying, do I want to get well? He is pretty much saying, there's no hope for me. He has decided this is the way life is. That's what he's telling Jesus. If we, if we look at verses 6 and 7, um, it says, when Jesus saw him lying there and knew he had already been in that condition a long time, he said to him, do you want to be made well? And the sick man answered, Sir, I have no one to put me in the pool when the water is stirred up, but while I am coming, another steps down before me. And one version says that Jesus knew how long he had laid there. 
And you know, as I looked at that portion of the verse, I realized that in each of our lives, Jesus knows how long you've had the heartache that you're going through. He knows the pain. He knows the suffering. And he knows what you're going through. So if he knows our suffering and he knows our pain, why isn't he doing something about it? Which brings us to the big question, why? Why? For, for the man who was laying by the pool, he may have had the question, why did, why did he have to suffer so long? And I wondered this. He's the only one that they talk about that was healed at that time. Isn't it interesting that only one of them, why was no one else healed? The why question, right? And maybe in your life it's questions like, why do others always get what they want while I struggle and suffer, waiting and watching why others are blessed? Maybe why are others healed and I am not? Why did they have to die and others less deserving live? And the answer is, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know why. Here's what I do know. I know God has provided healing in the word of God, and I know it's true. I know God wants us to be healed. His word says it. By his stripes we are healed, right? God wants us to have faith for healing, to believe and speak what the word says, and I know all that's true. I've seen it, personally been healed of some things. I know God's word is true. But I also have seen times where the healing did not come. Many of you might remember that in 2004, my, my youngest daughter, Missy, um, died very suddenly. On She got sick on a Wednesday, and by Sunday morning at 8, 8 a.m., she was gone. And um, I remember uh, a couple weeks after she had passed away that uh, a lady came up to BG, uh, my husband, Pastor BG, and said, um, why? Why did she die? I wanted, I, I just need to know why she died. And he said, I, I don't know why she died. And she said, no, I, no I, I don't think you understand. I need to know why she died because I know thousands of people were praying for her healing. We had people all over the world had known that she was very sick and were praying for her. Why did she die? And he said, I, I don't know why. I mean, I just don't know. I, life on this earth is hard, and sometimes people die, and I, I just don't know why. And she said something to him. She said, I bet when you get to heaven, you're going to ask, why did she die? And I'll never forget what he said. He said, when I get to heaven, I won't even care. I won't even care. And I know my husband uh, passed away August 17th, uh, 2013. Um, he was killed in an accident and only lived a couple hours after he got to the hospital. And I know this. I know that when he, went, God, when he entered heaven, there was no way the question of why Missy died was ever on his lips. I know, he, I know he went up and gave Jesus a big hug, and then he went and found Missy and his parents and his grandparents and all the other people that he loved, 
And he is probably sitting there today with people around him telling his stories because if you knew him personally, you know he loved to tell good stories. So he's probably up there doing all that wonderful things. And I, I'm sure when we get to heaven, we won't care. And as long as we're down here, we won't understand because we're not God. And we live in a fallen world where God's word said we're going to have some trouble and that we're going to have to deal with some things. But look what Romans 8.28 says, and we know all things work together for good to those who love God and to those who are called according to his purpose. And I know you're thinking, wait, she just talked about her daughter dying and now we've got one that God works for good. But here's what I know. He does work good in the midst of bad. You know what? Satan comes to kill, steal, and destroy, and God in the midst of it is going to bring some good out of it. It is not easy. It is not always easy. And sometimes in the midst of it, it's hard to find the good. Yet, I want to challenge you that I want you to look back on some of the hard stuff you've come through and then say, oh, I can see good now. When you're through it, it's easier to see the good. Yet God is always there. And I, I want to tell you, if I didn't have a relationship with Jesus and didn't know that God loved me and cared for me, I don't know what I would have done with losing both my husband and my youngest daughter. I, I don't know what I would have done. But we have hope. We have a future because of what God has done. And let me ask you this. What if God is saying that He's not here to change things around you. Maybe he's here to change things inside you. And maybe he's not here simply just to change our circumstances so our circumstances will be nice and will be comfortable. I like comfortable. I like nice, but that's not always what his plan is for me. Maybe he's here instead to try and change me in the midst of the circumstances. And maybe he hasn't come just to stir the waters in front of you. Maybe he's come to stir the faith inside of you. It's not in your notes, but if you look on the screen, 2 Corinthians 12, verse 7 says, Because of the extravagance of these revelations, and so I would not get a big head, I was given the gift of a handicap to keep me in constant touch with my limitations. Satan's angels did their best to get me down, what he in fact did was push me to my knees. No danger then of walking around high and mighty. At first I didn't think of it as a gift and begged God to remove it. Three times I did that. And then he told me, my grace is enough. It's all you need. My strength comes into its own in your weakness. Once I heard that, I was glad to let it happen. I quit focusing on the handicap and began appreciating the gift. It was a case of Christ's strength moving in on my weakness. Now I take limitations in stride and with good cheer. These limitations have cut me down to size, abuse, accidents, opposition, bad breaks. And I just let Christ take over. And so the weaker I get, the stronger I become. Now that is the Apostle Paul writing about something that he had prayed for God to remove from his life, and he didn't. And yet he's, he begins to see that maybe he's supposed to grow in the midst of it. 
And in our own lives, sometimes we have to take that and say, God, okay, I know this, what I'm going through stinks, but God, let there be some good. Let me see some of the good that you're bringing out of it. Our third step is determine that you will do whatever it takes. Whatever it takes. What is your answer to the question, do you want to get well? Are you willing to do what is necessary? Will you pick up your mat and walk? Or will you continue doing the same old thing, the same way you've always done it, waiting for someone else to carry you to your miracle? It's interesting because the paralyzed man did exactly what Jesus asked him to do. He did it immediately. He did it without hesitation. And he experienced healing. And what I realized, if you read even further in that chapter, is the paralyzed man did not know who Jesus was. Because later in the chapter, the Pharisees will ask, who healed you? And he's like, I don't know. He he didn't know who Jesus was, but how many of you know you can have a sense about people? You know, I, um, I recently went and uh, traveled and spoke somewhere, and I, I had a couple minutes with this one lady. And when I came home, I told my daughter, I said, well, there's this one lady I met, and I'm just sure we could be best friends. I just knew it from the minute I talked to her, you know? Or you can just, maybe you meet somebody, and they're a stranger, and you don't know if they love Jesus, but after talking to them two minutes, you already know. You already know. Well, I'm sure... When you went and talked to Jesus, God's love radiated out of him. And even though he didn't know exactly who he was, he was willing to trust him and do what he said. He could have said, no thanks. See, I've been sitting here laying on this thing a long time. I don't think it'll ever work. I've never been able to do that, so I don't think I'm going to try. Or he could have said, I am and always will be an invalid who has no hope for the future. But somehow he decided, well, maybe this was different. Or he could have been too afraid to try. Sometimes we're afraid. We're afraid we'll fail. Or sometimes, this is kind of strange, but sometimes we're afraid we'll succeed, because then what? What happens if he's healed? His whole life will be different. He could have been afraid. Here's what we need to know. We all suffer from some kind of paralysis at various times in our life. Things happen that cripple us, a devastating injury, a debilitating illness, or a financial crisis, and we may be stuck because of someone else's betrayal or frozen in place because of fear. But here's what we need to realize. Just because we're paralyzed now, It doesn't mean you always will be. And at times, resigning yourself to a lifetime of that, while devastating and strangely enough, there are times it seems like that's the thing that you want to do. Standing up and daring to take the first step is sometimes what we have to do. Because even though we want to be well, we've forgotten what it's like not to be paralyzed. We've forgotten what it's like to stand up and walk on our own. And there are times we feel sorry for ourselves. 
and even resent others for receiving a healing we've longed for. But if we want to genuinely desire wellness, physical, mental, emotional, spiritual, we must be willing to let go of the labels that define us. We must choose to stop seeing ourselves as victims of our circumstances and start seeing ourselves as subject to the authority and healing power of Jesus Christ. You know, this week I, I was reading a, a story, and, um, a, a book that was, um, had this story about this man who had gone to Disney World. And um, if you've gone to Disney World, you know, oh, it's lots of fun. But if you go to Florida, it's hot, probably it's hot. And if you go to any popular ride, you're going to be in a long line, aren't you? And if you've not been there, then you need to know it's not just a long line. It's a winding around the stanchions and winding around the stanchions. And then um, this man said he... They, they got to where they were going to turn a corner, and, and they thought, we're almost there. We're almost there. And then they turned the corner, and there were more stanchions, and they were still going to have to go a long ways before they got to the ride. But the man had a, a little boy who was five years old, and he, he said, Dad, Dad, um, let's, let's go over there to that there's no line over there there's a door there we can go through that door and his dad said well we can't go through that door because that is for people that are handicapped in some way maybe they have problems walking or some physical problems that make it difficult for them to stand in the line like we are and how many of you know that when your kids are little, first of all, they tend to talk loud when you don't want them to talk loud, and then they tend to point to people that they shouldn't point to. And he said he was horrified when his son started pointing to a man that was over there, still in the line just ahead of them, and said, why isn't he over there in that line? The man he was pointing to was a younger man, but he had lost his legs fighting for our country. And, of course, this man is horrified because the, the man can hear everything his son is saying. And on top of it, he's pointing to him. And, um, but the, the gentleman said, the soldier said, um, it's okay, it's okay. Um, I, I'll, let me tell him why I'm not over there. I don't want to go over there because, um, well, I don't want to be defined by my handicap. See, I, this happened to me, but this is not how I'm going to define my life. This isn't how I want my life to say that I'm always the one that is handicapped. And I gave you a quote in your um, notes that this is what he said. This soldier said to this man and this five-year-old boy, you are only limited by the way you see your circumstances, not by the circumstances themselves. And you know what? Sometimes you hear that from somebody that has no problems, and you're like, yeah, right. But when you hear it from somebody that you know every day is a struggle, and every day has to be an opportunity to feel sorry for yourself. 
And when someone like that is saying you're only limited by the way you see your circumstances, not by the circumstances, not by me having no legs themselves. Wow. And here's what I want to say to you today. No matter what is going on in your life right now, God's not done with you. man encountered Jesus and his life changed forever. His miracle happened when it shouldn't have. It happened on the Sabbath and uh, that was a big no-no with the Pharisees. 
Yet it happened because when Jesus is on the scene, things change. And, um, you know, as I was um, listening to um, Diva sing, I was just thinking how much God can change in ways that we don't even know and how he desires to reach out to you today. And I know, I mean, I just sensed from the beginning of the service that there's people in here that are, have struggled um, physically, emotionally, spiritually, right, whatever, wherever you're at right now. But I want to tell you, God's not done with you. And you, you may feel like, yeah, he's probably done with me. I've, I've, I've gone through too much. I've done too much. I, I, maybe I've, I've reached an age where he's probably done with me. No, God's not done with you. And maybe, maybe you're in here today and you're like, well, things are going good. I mean, like, things are going good. Well, God's not done with you. He has stuff for us all to do. And as I pray today, I just want to pray, believing that God is going to minister a healing to people today. Maybe it's physical, maybe it's spiritual, maybe it's emotional. Maybe it's, it's that there's just no peace. There's no peace in your home. There's no peace in your mind. Let's just pray and believe, join our faith together and believe that God's going to do something. God, I just thank you. I thank you for what your word tells us. And God, we just pray right now for people that have come in this place discouraged. For, for people that have come in this place just, just hardly holding on, just believing for your miraculous power in God. We know nothing is too hard for you. And that you're not done with any of us. And God, I just pray for your miraculous power in the lives of people today. I pray, God, that you will touch lives, that you will encourage people that have come in here discouraged, that as they go out, they will know that they can do what you've called them to do, that they won't have to feel despondent, but God, that you're going to give them peace, that you're going to give them strength for what they have to do. And God, we are thankful because... Going through this life without you would be awful. But going through this life with you holding our hand, guiding and directing, and doing the miraculous in our life, God, we are so blessed. And we want to thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I, at this time, I want to give you an opportunity. If you've never received Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you will want to make that kind of decision. I want to tell you, I don't know if I would have hardly been able to handle losing both my husband and my youngest daughter. Yet God has helped me. And over and over, through illness, through all kinds of things, God has been my strength. And I know it's because years ago, I said yes to Jesus. So I would like to invite you all to bow your heads and just repeat a prayer with me. Father God, I come to you because I need you. I admit that I have sinned and I ask you to forgive me of every sin. Lord Jesus, come into my life. Be my Lord. Be my Savior. Be my King. 
in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I want to tell you if, you, if you prayed it for the first time, congratulations. You've made an incredible decision. I'm so glad you did. We would like to partner with you and, and help you on your journey as you learn more, about, more and more about Jesus. If you'd like more information, all you have to do is uh, text the word HEAVEN to 41411. Text the word heaven to 41411, and they will give you some resources that will really be of help to you. I also want to leave you with the last scripture. I didn't forget it. I was just leaving the best for the last. Ephesians 3.20 says, God can do anything. You know, far more than you could imagine, guess, or request in your wildest dreams. And there's some of you, I might need to put that on your refrigerator this week or on your bathroom mirror. God can do anything, far more than we could ever imagine. So let's put our trust in Him and believe Him for some great things. God bless you. Have a great week. See you next Sunday.